Did you know that Alchemist Accelerator can operate a program for you? Welcome to Innovators Inside, the podcast for people working in corporate and government innovation. Brought to you by Alchemist X, the corporate services division of Alchemist Accelerator. Here you'll follow me, Rachel Chalmers, head of Alchemist X, as I talk to the industry's highest achievers and most compelling thought leaders. These are fly-on-the-wall conversations with leading practitioners in the field. They'll share their lessons learned so that you don't have to go through the painful experiences that they did. So sit back, relax, and get ready to level up. Today, I am delighted to welcome Peter Bay to the show. Peter is the new executive director for the Korean Innovation Center. KIC Silicon Valley supports startups launching their products and services in North America through acceleration programs, industry expertise, and capital networks. It also helps North American startups launch their products and services in Asia via South Korea. Peter is himself a four-time founder of social radio company, Alka Cruise, Fantage, and Anoxus and a prolific advisor to and investor in startups. He has an MBA from the University of Rochester and a bachelor's in chemical engineering from Sogang University. Peter, welcome to the show. Oh, thank you. Thanks for hosting and such a lovely introduction. How are you doing, Rachel? I'm, I'm really well. It's, it's a beautiful day and it's great to have you here. It's been wonderful to welcome you to the KIC. Can you tell our listeners a little bit about what drew you to this role? Yes. So after my last company, the social radio company, I came upon a certain point of my career, I guess, to look back uh, my career, my family, and also myself. And uh, I've been actually helping a lot of Korean startups enter the U.S. market. And as from my fourth company, um, I did hit a little bit of a wall for myself. And also, it was time to spend a little more time with my family as well. And at the same time, I got some other offers from investors and also other accelerator. And I thought, you know, this uh, venture building kind of a business, I am drawn to it. And also personally, you know, I need to, to, uh, to get some time to unlearn what I've learned and maybe relearn. So all those things kind of uh, came at the same moment. And the K Innovation Center seems to be, you know, okay, there's a lot less traveling uh, and I can stay in the Bay Area a lot more, giving uh, myself time for myself and my family. So I guess those cosmic elements came all together uh, last year, and uh, I, took, I took the chance. Yeah, that really resonates. I think a lot of us in corporation come to a point in our career where we want to give back and we want to have that more sort of thoughtful and, and uh, nurturing life uh, where we, we draw out excellence in others. Right. And I guess that moment came to me too. Of all of the companies you founded and advised, which has had the best outcome and, and why do you think? My second company, which is a game company, a web game company for children, Fantage.com, we started back in 2006, 2007. And uh, it grew to where we had a users uh, over 21 million uh, subscribers. Wow. And we were competing fiercely neck to neck with uh, Disney's Club Penguin. Looking back, and this is all just looking back, one of the success factor was that I enjoyed it immensely. Um, I had those days where I, I just woke up with, filled with energy and, and kind of um, uh, I was very happy uh, to myself, pushing myself to the limit that joy I, I, I wanted to 
share that job with my team. The team grew from just two to three, all the way to 65 people. Things, things just meshed and uh, worked very well inside and out. And uh, the company grew, uh, the revenue grew. We had very happy investors. So all the way to the exiting point where we sold the company to a large game conglomerate from Korea. I think that was one thing that stands really out from the, all the other companies where I had more days I couldn't get to sleep versus I was so happy, <laughs> yeah. like, oh, you know, uh, rushing to get to the office. Yeah, it's so rare to get that flow where the product is selling and the investors are delighted and the employees are delighted. It's uh, it's a wonderful thing to watch. I'm very lucky to have had that experience at the Fantage.com. So kind of the flip question. It's not usually the most successful company when I ask the question, which company taught you the most? And that also has a very clear answer, uh, um, uh, which is my first uh, company, uh, Monoxys. It was an accidental case. Uh, it wasn't like I was completely prepared to start this, uh, but the opportunity came along. And uh, from um, Agilent Technologies, I was a very happy employee working there. But I thought that was a great opportunity. I did not know what I did not know, uh, basically. I did not know that I was not prepared. I thought I was prepared, but I was not. But I thought, you know, I'm in the Bay Area. All my friends are moonlighting. Um, these opportunities can come easily. And I wanted to challenge myself and jumped into the fray. However, the four years I was with Anoxys, it was really, really hard from putting together the business plan, getting the technology up and running, getting the patent, meeting the investors, every single aspect of the startup, I uh, I stumbled, I fell down. You know, there's so many days and nights that I felt, why did I ever start this thing? Um, where are all these people? Where are all these people with money and experience? How can I meet them? So that was the hardest. However, uh, looking back, that was the most, how should I say? It's a, it was a crash course, but I learned the most from uh, from those mistakes. And those sleepless nights, I think I learned the most. Um, I still have contacts from investors and um, business people that I met back then. It did prepare me a lot. But at that time, if you ask me, would I ever go back and do the same thing and learn that way? Oh, hell no. I, 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 I sure um, don't want to do that. I, I always say it, it's like those uh, in the prehistoric times where a lot of earthquakes and uh, uh, volcanoes. It was so hard. But however, that did give the right uh, ingredients for me to uh, flourish from my second startup. It's the uh, geological activity that, that provides the energy to sustain life. And it's interesting what you said about your network dating back to then. The friends that you make when your career is is going really badly, those are the really durable ones. You know, success has many friends, but the people who stick around when things are, are, are very difficult. Uh, I've had the same experience in my career. Those friendships are, are absolutely ironclad. They're incredible. And uh, and now, you know, as time goes by, I also had a chance to help some of those people that I met back then. So, yeah, what comes around goes around. And uh, those uh, unexpected connections really sometimes last. And that's such an important dynamic in Silicon Valley. We 
we take it for granted that we will work with the same people again and again in different roles over our careers. So there's a very deep commitment to paying it forward, to, to just investing in one another that I think is one of the things I like best about this industry. Yes, it's one of the, it's also the one of the words. I didn't know how to ex describe that word, but paying forward, that was exactly the right uh, vocabulary. But I didn't have that vocabulary, but I guess that's what uh, some of us were doing. So what is something Korean companies don't necessarily know when they come to America for the first time? Right. And that's that's really the heart of what I'm trying to do here at K Innovation Center. So like anybody living outside of the U.S., they, they look at U.S. through the prism of uh, movies, TV shows, conferences, their friends who live here, and, and they have that slightly jaded view of how language and culture works in the U.S. So especially they have uh, very high esteem about the business culture and technology culture in Bay Area. So they prepare technology-wide, they prepare a lot because they think they're competing with uh, the best of the best in the Bay Area. And that is a good thing. But along those lines, they forget how important the market is and how important that technology element needs to be translated well into product and service. And that gap is, I think, is a common thread through a lot of Korean companies. And that's where, uh, and obviously they haven't lived here. They don't have the right network here. So that is the common gap a lot of companies have. Some, some companies have small gap. Some, company, some companies have such a wide gap that I don't know where to begin to help them. And, and this is the mantra that's been here in the, in, in the startup community for a very long time. But still, I keep saying to them, before you put too much time and resource on just technology, look at the market. Come, look, see, feel, touch, talk, and learn about the market before you commit too much, too deep in technology where you can't just go back or you can't just easily pivot. So I guess that, that gap and maybe some companies are way too far to do the pivot. Those things are big challenge for the company and for myself as well. Yeah, that's an old joke that in New York, everyone's writing a novel. In LA, everyone's writing a screenplay. And in San Francisco, everyone's building an app. And it's a joke with that grain of truth in it. Product really is, you know, in the air we breathe and the water here. It's a constant topic of conversation. And that's part of what makes the Bay Area so unusual is this 50 years track record of, of building things and putting them into users' hands and, and trying to distill that institutional knowledge and, and convey it to, to people from outside the Bay Area is incredibly challenging and, and fascinating. What is something that surprises American companies when they go to Korea? Oh, that's a very delightful question. I think the first thing that they are surprised and they find this not early enough, is that there's a big market in Korea. Wherever we go, we usually look at the map, look at the capital, look at the population. We see a lot of things through just numbers on the paper. But once you go to that specific market, and South Korea is not an exception, you'll see how the market is dynamic, the market is constantly changing, and the market is growing. And uh, I, I hear a lot of uh, my colleagues who I've introduced to Korea so many times is that, you know, they, they were so surprised that the level of economic activity in Korea and the 
people who have disposable income and uh, purchasing power is so incredibly great and dynamic that they would have never thought it worked that way have they not come to Korea and stayed there for three, four months. Uh, I think if, if there's a couple more things that they're uh, genuinely surprised and hard time grasping early on is uh, the government of the, uh, the, the role of the government. Because government has been always a crucial element in the rapid growth of the South Korea in terms of um, economics, culture, and every part, they're very, very surprised to learn that there are almost 400 government entities supporting startup community one way or the other, uh, 400 of them. And a lot of startups in Korea take advantage of it. And I say, I give the same advice to companies from uh, US. Look at them carefully because not only just the resource, but the connection that you make will take you much farther on your business than you'd think. Uh, they're not just there to do one function, but they will open windows and uh, put bridges for you. And lastly is the, just 10 years ago, when you say startups in Korea, it used to be, oh, you were not prepared for working for a conglomerate. You're not becoming a doctor and lawyer. So you're trying something new, cute. Okay, good for you. Uh, kind of thing. Now, the professors will tell me that their top students are going to startups. So that startup culture now finally took a permanent hold in, uh, in Korean economic and cultural circles. And uh, that's probably another thing that's uh, very surprising. Oh, this is not just for a few elite, you know, technologists uh, and investors. Now it's kind of uh, widespread. Everybody in every age is, um, I, I've seen a 62-year-old senior trying to do her role. She's devoted in sustainability, especially in the environment, and she wants to use technology to do her part uh, for, her, for the next generation. So, uh, okay, now it's really widespread. So, that, so probably those are three things that come out of my mind that will surprise anybody who visit Korea uh, with their business. That lady sounds amazing, by the way. Get her to call me. She's exactly the kind of founder I like. What changed over the last 10 years? Was there a particularly good outcome in Korea? What was the tipping point that made startup culture much more mainstream? I think just like technology company map here in the Bay Area, you, you call it Fang or you, know, you, have, you have your Facebook, you have your Google. So there was two big technology conglomerate in Korea, which was Neighbor and Kakao, Neighbor being the Google of Korea, and the Kakao being the dominant messaging app, plus any consumer-related app business. There were two very dominant companies for the longest time coming from the, the second wave of a startup. However, the last, um, I want to say, six, seven years, we've seen the most direct visible thing that we've seen is the rise and the exit of companies such as Coupang and uh, Pemin, which is a delivery app. And they had, mm -hmm. this is past unicorn, they had like billions of exit. This in their friends or their seniors retiring, getting billions of dollars, hundred millions, tens of millions of dollars, I want to say, and retiring uh, when they're at 38 and 39. And yeah, yeah, and it, it. It, now it's not, <laughs> not anymore about uh, 
you know, Steve Jobs or Bill Gates. It's like, oh, he's a friend of my friend. Oh, you know, um, mm -hmm. so it became very real. That, that became so real. And then those two are not the exceptions. We've seen that now we have Market Collie, we have all these unicorn companies, 15 of them to be exact this year, uh, last year alone, become unicorns. And also, I think it's also a little bit of a lifestyle for Millennium and Gen Zs. Oh, mm -hmm. now you can work anywhere. Okay, I'll be working in Jeju Island. That culture suddenly became very, how should I say, um, so it used to be working at the government in the 60s and 70s. It used to be working at the conglomerate in yeah. 80s and 90s. But now it's like working either crazy or working like life uh, with a balance with your life. Either way, it's working for a company with uh, just uh, 20 people. It's a cool thing. So that, that mm -hmm. kind of caught really well. And uh, lastly, also, I think the convergence between culture and technology which is basically, like I was saying, working at the game company, it was so fun. Now working is fun. Building something is fun. Doing something on your own and being recognized is fun. Obviously, in the background, there's always that uh, the government-led, uh, the policy-led kind of, okay, conglomerates, they can't grow anymore. Startups is the next thing. So a combination of those factors coming together the last, I want to say, six, seven years, uh, led to the change of the mind of a lot of people in Korea. And they don't do that very easily. But now it's like, oh, you know, my, my, my daughter's boyfriend is working at a startup. Hey, that's a good thing now. It changed. I, I can see it dovetailing with those incredibly rich strands of Korean culture we talked about earlier, you know, the professionalism and sophistication of K-pop and the self-awareness and, and self-consciousness of, of, of K-drama, you know, all of those things creating this millennial class that's highly educated, extremely online, and now much more open to new ideas and new kinds of, of approaches to things. Right, right. And uh, um, I don't like to put this upfront, but the role of the capital, you can't just ignore it. The role of the capital also became very, very important. It, it, 10 years ago, getting capital in your company, that used to be such a hurdle. It used to be such a, such a rare thing, the size of it, the, the rate of occurrence of it. But now, capital is there. And uh, we used to joke, Series A in US, it used to be like Series B or C in Korea. It, it used to be, it's that different. But now it caught up. And uh, just like you said, that already existing power and knowledge combined with the capital now is exploding. Yeah. And I'm seeing a lot of the capital coming from the corporate venture capital as well as the conglomerates start to recognize that they've, they have reached the limits of their growth and that they need to diversify and encourage new businesses in order to continue to be relevant. Yes. It's, it's a big theme in Korea. Peter, when you look back on your amazing career to date, what are you proudest of? Oh, oh this will be very short. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> um, I think one thing, I think I, I, can, I can relate about a couple of things. Uh, the one thing is that I started uh, as a Korean American, I started, I jumped into the kind of the startup business quite early. Uh, that was early 2000 where there were just, just very, very few 
Korean Americans in startups generally, in investment community generally. So that accident, accidental kind of uh, jumping into the startup business kind of um, really shaped my career. Again, it wasn't planned. It wasn't intelligently planned. It was very kind of very young at heart. And I need, I really need this challenge kind of a start. And, and it didn't go well. Like I said, it really didn't go well. It really burned a lot of things. However, I didn't quit. I just stayed there. Uh, my second, my third and fourth company. And I think that's something that maybe there's a little story that I can share. The second thing that I'm really proud of is uh, in Bay Area, uh, when I first started the company, I had a very hard time connecting with people because I had there were because there was not a lot of people knew how venture capital works, how marketing works. So in 2007, 2006, we started in 2007. I was one of the first two people that started a group called Bay Area K Group. Uh, now it's just called K Group. It's an organization, nonprofit organization that consists of people working at any techn- technical field. Uh, from Google to any technicians working in the Bay Area. So I co-founded that with uh, my friend, uh, Mr. Hong. He was the first CEO uh, at that organization. I was the second. We started with 100 people when he was CEO. It grew to 500 people when I was the second CEO. Now we have the, the 13th CEOs, co-CEOs. And uh, the membership now is uh, 4,800 people. So there are Korean Americans who work at technology companies and networking to better either their career or meet the co-founders and talk about the latest latest technology. It has become the biggest Korean and Korean American organization, nonprofit organization. I'm very proud of that idea and that we were we executed that idea, which came out of my frustration from my first startup. That's phenomenal. And it's, it is it is remarkable how many of us, I think, have built those kinds of networks across industries based on, on other aspects of our identity. I mean, for me, it's, it's connecting with other women in technology. Uh, for our founder, Ravi, it's, it's the Indian and subcontinental folks. He just has a, a connection with those. But it is one of the affordances. Silicon Valley can be so hard to break into, but if you start building those communities of, of shared knowledge... It's an incredibly powerful technique. It is. And uh, I hear so many stories, um, not only on startup, but generally people moving into Bay Area and uh, getting the information and sharing notes with their peers, um, not on a very official level. This is very unofficial level, but that's where really things happen. Sparks happen and good information exchange. And like you said, every culture or every uh, ethnicity or every interest level, there are always that willingness to open up and share, hey, I was one step ahead of you. That's the only thing different from you and me, but in two years, you might be ahead of me. So let's let's share whatever we have and see how big this this we can grow this pie. So yeah, those, those are so important uh, idea. And I love the abundance mindset of it rather than, you know, seeing one another as competitors, we can collaborate and, and make the market bigger for everybody. Right. Right. If you had one do-over, what might you do differently? Ooh, ooh, that's that's a hard question. Um, probably I would have, uh, and this is a, a little bit embarrassing, but I think I do want to share uh, that I would have crossed over with uh, much more people, I think, meaning that 
it was at the beginning. So just connecting Koreans and Korean Americans, that alone is a big job. But also, I mean, there are so many different groups and uh, um, meetups that I could have gone. Yeah, maybe that's something that I might have uh, done more to crossbreed or connect between different ideas, generations, cultures, and ethnic groups. And maybe that's something that I'll, I'll start doing. One of the things that I wanted to also do at the KinoVision Center is to really have some kind of a platform where not only Korean, Korean-American startups compete, but it competes with all the other startups from every corner of the globe because every market is unique and every solution is very unique. I am so sure there's so much things that we can learn from each other. Maybe one day there'll be a platform like that. But yeah, that's, that's something that I might have done better. Um, so I will be doing better. And on that note, how would you distill all of this experience into two or three lessons for our listeners? You know, um, maybe, maybe I'll be in a better position to learn. <laughs> there are so many good entrepreneurs and so many great technologists and uh, venture capitalists and uh, uh, startup founders. I, I, I'm not sure if they started like that accidentally or if they if there's some <laughs> institution where they were they prepared well. But there's so many great minds out there that want to either it's a business or either it's a organization or either it's uh, developing a technology, researching. Um, there's so many great minds that I, I don't think I'm in a good position to give them any advice or probably share my experience. But, you know, um, if we look back in 10 to 20 years, we'll be reading articles that this is where a seismic shift is happening right now in terms of how we live. What is the meaning of a friend and family? What is the meaning of a work and life balance? What is the meaning of developing and conserving? What is the sustainability? What kind of world are we building to give it back to our next generation? I think we are right here. It's all about us doing things today that's gonna affect the coming years. So in order to address that, if you look at any market, no one company or no one person can solve. We are looking at problems that we have to solve together. No matter how much energy I conserve or how much I contribute to, um, to either wildlife or the beautiful nature out there, it can't be done unless we do it all together, at least share the, share the idea. So I think that's the daunting challenge. And I'd like to ask everybody out there, especially those who enjoy challenges, to disrupt the status quo, to rise up and... Uh, find new ways that we can work together. So it's not an advice. I think that's a challenge I like to put out there because I know there's much, much more brighter and experienced minds out there. So I'll leave it at that to your question. That's a fantastic challenge and, and really insightful. You're not alone, certainly, in, in reassessing your values and, and your life circumstances in the wake of the pandemic. I think we've all seen the relatively lackluster response from governments and, and drawn the obvious connection to the climate emergency. And I think you're right that building a shared understanding of the challenges we face is probably the biggest problem facing us today. How do you avoid burnout? 
you can imagine my first startup, I slept three to four hours uh, every day, I think. I, I, I think I lost where I put my Sundays and Saturdays, really. Uh, it's like, and I, I think I'm not talking alone here. Anybody who's in startup business must have been in that shoe and know exactly what I'm talking about. In my second startup, there were two things that I picked up. One is uh, golf and the other is food. When I'm playing golf and when I'm eating or preparing food, I don't, I turn the switch off. And uh, it's been more than 10 years I've done that. And now I do that kind of automatically. I'm not, uh, I like to wake up early, but I, I only like to wake up early. I can't wake up early. The only time I wake up early voluntarily and happily is when I go golf. You got to have one or, one or two things like that, that you can absorb yourself. And uh, um, I, I love cooking and entertaining my family and my friends. And uh, that's, that's just, uh, you know, oh, this, this is where I get energy. Uh, this is where it gets me to my next barbecue party. So, <laughs> Rachel, you're invited <laughs> on my next oh, barbecue excellent. party. <laughs> it's a Korean barbecue. I, so. I will absolutely <laughs> take you up on that. I also love food. What is the best way for our listeners to connect or follow your work other than, you know, coming along to the next barbecue? I'm not very good with social media, so I do have Facebook and the LinkedIn account, but I don't use that so much. What I'm trying to do here at K Innovation Center is to be, um, if you're ever interested in Korea as a market or as a uh, travel destination or as a cultural destination or a foodie destination, do look up the K Innovation Center website. I'm putting as much my knowledge and time in bringing together not only just the business, right, but the culture together. But yeah, so K Innovation Center um, through the website and uh, its social media handles. That's the best way to uh, find me and uh, find entrepreneurs from Korea and Asia. And because that's, that's where I'll be the next few years. So let's say for the next five years, everything goes exactly the way that you would like it. You push the industry in exactly the directions that you want it to go. What does the world look like five years from now? How is it different? Mm. I can tell you one thing for sure is that a lot of new fusion of ideas will be out there, uh, whether it's a form of a business or it's a form of entertainment or it's a form of uh, a non nonprofit organization's purpose, I I truly believe that, um, and I've seen it, witness uh, for such a long time that the collective knowledge, the fusion of knowledge, will be the next thing. Uh, you think, I think, uh, we think, what we know and experienced through books, uh, through our education, and through our business, uh, we think we know enough, but actually there's a lot more to it if you start mixing it together. I'm big on mixing people and ideas. So I don't know what kind of form it's going to take, but I'm trying to enable that, to, to go over the language barriers, to go over the culture barriers, and go straight to the point, open up, be embarrassed, listen, try to understand. And then the second and third meeting, you'll be in a place where you never have a guest you'd be have you not done that. Both my job and also what I'm looking forward to, even after helping build uh, companies, I think it's going to be where 
how can I make, you know, ideas and people mix together and come up with something radical and uh, execute those mixed ideas and see where we go. And honestly, I, I think it's easy in some senses for Americans to be complacent because there is so much happening here. But the success of, of things like Parasite and Squid Game, I mean, I take your point about Zoom, it can be a really shallow medium, but film and television and books can be a very deep medium. And I think just that openness and curiosity to another culture, I think people were really surprised given the language barrier, how funny and relatable and, and charming the characters in Parasite and Squid Game are. And I think that's hopefully waking people up to how much connects us even beyond these, these challenges of language and culture. Yes, because I think those things, those cultural cinemas or songs for, I don't know how, because I, I can't make them, but they are very good reflective of where we are at now, and they're using uh, a different language to tell that. So the, the very core establishments that we thought it was very necessary from the schools to working nine to five hours to being efficient, right, with our resources, th those are things that shaped our fathers' and mothers' minds, and that's how we are here. But there might be something more to that, right, uh, is that uh, do we really need this much stuff to live? Do we really need this much stuff to, to be happy? Why are we so insecure all the time? What is happiness really about? Maybe it's just me, but having done so many businesses and uh, being so much away from my family, now I kind of understand and open my eyes there where, why are we living so hard, right? Why are we being so much overeducated and why are we putting so much uh, stress on our tribe alone where when we can open up and put things together, we can be happy with much less. Today's startups are disrupting in a way, unbeknownst to them, we are disrupting what we were believing so hard, what we were trying to keep so hard. But I think the next generation of startups will know much better the purpose. Oh, we are doing this because we don't need to have that much. We don't need to achieve that far and destroy so much things uh, on the way. There must be another way of doing it. And I think that's the next generation of startups, and hopefully we are at the beginning of that. Peter, you're a philosopher, and I'm very excited to live in the world that you're, you're creating. What else should I have asked you? I wanted to talk a little more about the K Innovation Center. We are in a very small organization. We've been here only for six, seven years, but we are the only organization out here that's partially subsidized by government that want to be the bridge. So a lot of exciting companies already, uh, since I took over this job, have asked me, we were planning to do A in U.S. market, but now you're in helm of this organization. I'd like to listen to your idea, how we can do differently. And I love those questions. And not just small startups. Big startups are asking those questions. Education startups, alternative meat startups, food tech, fashion tech, health tech, Great ideas, need some help with their product and service in the U.S., but they want to find a different way of doing it. Uh, what I'm trying to do is to connect people who can enable that here in the U.S. and uh, Korean startups as a connector, connecting the dot, as an entity that, that has the facility here, a co-working space, dedicated rooms here, and we have a huge facility here in San Jose. I'd like to utilize all 
those assets or material space so that that can happen. Still haven't found out this year will be the experimental year. Still haven't found out the, uh, the, the best way to do that, the best practice, but this will be the experimental year. So anybody listening to this and interested in this, I urge you, I invite you to swing by and share your ideas and see how far we can go together. Fantastic. Peter, it's been such a pleasure to have you on the show. Thank you so much. Thanks so much, Rachel. Good questions always open up the minds and uh, kudos to you and your team. Uh, it's been a really pleasure to speak out and uh, share my story. This has been Alchemist X Innovators Inside. You can find the transcript of this conversation plus links to whatever books, articles, TV shows and apps we talked about on our blog. And stay connected by following us on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook and LinkedIn. If you found the podcast valuable, feel free to share or tell your colleagues. We love hearing from you. Send us your comments, feedback, suggestions for future guests or just say hi by emailing us at innovators at alchemistaccelerator.com. 